scripture lesson today is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 to 51. Every year his, par- his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But he did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to all of you who are visiting. I'm looking forward to talking to you later. So we are continuing in our sermon series, uh, Becoming Like Jesus. And our lesson this morning is Obey Like Jesus. Now, we had a lesson not long ago on the idea of obedience, but this one is a little different. And so Obey Like Jesus. So when we think about the reading we just had, it's amazing to see the desire that Jesus had to please his Father, his Heavenly Father. And the insight that he had as a 12-year-old, you imagine, 12 years old, he's in the temple, and everybody's astonished and amazed at the things that he's saying and the things that he's teaching. And so we have to remember who he was, though. He's God the Son, right? So he's God the Son. And the fact that Jesus said that he had to be in his father's house indicates, it tells us, that Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew what he came to do. He knew that he came to die for everyone. I want to focus on the idea that he was an obedient son. He was an obedient son. He was obedient to his father because he knew he was supposed to be at the temple for the feast of the Passover. And we know that this was important to him because later on he had the Passover with his disciples later on when he's older. Take a look at Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 16. Luke 22, verses 14 to 16, we read this. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus took the Passover serious. Jesus took the law serious. So you might say, well, why is he bringing that up? Because he took obeying the law and obeying his father serious, and he obeyed it fully. He never stumbled on anything in the law. He fulfilled the law. And so later on in Luke chapter 23, Jesus was crucified. Um, But when he was, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law completely. He did everything that was required under the law. If he had not, he wouldn't have been a perfect sacrifice for us. He obeyed it fully. So why is that important for us? Why is it so important that Jesus kept the law and he didn't fail? Why is it so important as far as in regards to the cross? If he hadn't obeyed the law to the letter... He would not have been that perfect sacrifice. He had to be unblemished. He had to be without stain. If it had been anybody else, 
they wouldn't have been a perfect sacrifice. Why? Because no one kept the law perfectly. None of us have kept the law perfectly. To not keep the law, to disobey on any part, meant a person sinned. Which means everybody was a sinner except for Jesus. He's the only one that walked the earth and never sinned. He was sinless. He never once disobeyed the law. He never once disobeyed his father. And so that was his desire, to listen to his father and do what he says. So I want us to take a look at an example, the most perfect example of obedience that we can read in scriptures. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. And we're going to go through that section, and we're going to look at something that's just absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. So let's start with reading verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So Paul is talking to all the saints in Philippi, and he's saying that their attitude should be the same as the Lord's, and so should ours. Ours should be exactly the same as the Lord's. But what's he referring to there when he says that? Well, the next few verses, Paul describes in writing what our Lord's attitude was. Now, before that, he told these Christians the things that they ought to be doing in verses 1 to 4. But now he wanted them to think about those things and compare it to what Jesus did. Paul wanted them to understand that the things he was asking of them were so little compared to what Christ had done. So take a look at verse 6 now. Verse 6. Referring to Jesus. So your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being very in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So Paul's talking to all the saints. We keep that in mind here. And he's trying to help them to understand what Jesus did. Jesus is the Son of God. I always like to say God the Son. I like to flip it around so it helps us to understand. He's God the Son. He's part of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three are one God. But here's something that's interesting. The Greek word was, that was translated as nature, who being in very nature God, or form in other translations, is morphe. And it means the essential form of something which never alters. So let me say that again. The essential form of something which never alters. Jesus was God, God the Son, and that would never change. Jesus could no more change the fact that he was deity any more than we could change the fact that we're human. He couldn't do that. And so we need to keep that in mind. And so contemporary English version. Take a look at a few other translations see the way they translate it. Contemporary English version, CEV. Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. Now that translation, I like the way that words it because that's the thought in that verse. The ESV, English Standard Version, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And then finally, the International Standard Version, ISV, in God's own form existed he and shared with God equality deemed nothing needed grasping. So Jesus was deity, but his focus was on what he came to do, what he came from heaven to do, and that is to die for the sins of the world. Now, keep that in mind as we look at verses 7 and 8. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is the Son of God. He's deity. He doesn't need anything from us. He's very special. He's very privileged. But he didn't act like someone who was very special and privileged when he came to earth. He didn't come here and expecting anything other than to serve us. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, 
so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So Jesus came from a rich, special, and privileged place, but made himself nothing, lowering himself and taking the very nature of a servant. Some Bible translations will say he emptied himself. Now, we have to keep in mind, it's not talking about that he emptied himself of his deity. He couldn't change who he was any more than we can change the fact that we're a human. What he did was he gave up his rights and privileges as the son of God. That's what he did. He gave up his glory in heaven is what he emptied himself of. And he came here to earth. He emptied himself and stripped himself of his glory, becoming a human, putting himself under submission to the father. That's what he gave up. The Greek language alludes to military language. He took on the lowest possible rank, that of a human servant, a slave. To be a slave in the first century was the lowest position a person could have. In our auditorium classes, a few weeks ago, we talked about slaves and how bad it was. A slave had no rights whatsoever. A slave was seen as property. And this is what Jesus did. He came and took on the role pretty much of a slave, of a servant, the lowest possible position that you could take. He gave up his rank in heaven to take on the lowest rank on earth. Let me, let me give you an illustration just to help you understand. Imagine someone in the highest rank, highest position in the army. And that person takes the lowest position or rank in the army. And goes on the front lines of the battle ready and willing to die. What would that make you think? That the highest position you can think of. And he, and he decides to be in the front lines ready to die. Well, that's what Jesus did. He was the one in charge, and then he came down to lead us in the front lines of the spiritual battle by dying for us. But he showed us that the kingdom cannot be destroyed or affected by anything in this physical world. It's the spiritual realm. Jesus said in John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And so he left heaven, gave up all his glory, came to earth, took on the lowest rank, decided to be on the front lines for us and die for us. That's what he did. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So you think at what Jesus had at his disposal at any time. There were 6,000 men in a legion, or in this case, angels. He refers to angels. So 12 legions of angels is 72,000 angels. So it makes you wonder how many angels are in heaven, right? There's 72,000 here that he's talking about. Jesus could have easily just destroyed his enemies, but that's not what he came to do. He didn't come here to kill people physically. He came to save them spiritually. That's what he came to do. It would not have brought salvation to the world. He came to show love, he came to show compassion, he came to show justice. And we have to remember that spiritual victory is greater than a physical one. If we win spiritual victory, then we won everything. So notice something interesting in verse 7 again. Notice it said, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Remember the definition we looked at a minute ago, morphe, something that never changes? Think about that. The essential form of something which never alters. Jesus took the form of something which never alters and will never alter. He became a servant. A servant forever. It never alters as we finish off this section. So because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience to the Father to death, says verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus brought glory to God the Father, and the Father in turn gave glory back to Jesus and exalted him. Jesus returned to his glory, the glory he had before he left, the glory he had with the Father in the beginning. And so we think about this, how does that apply to us? How do we apply this to us? Obviously, dying on a cross has been done away with today. It's not something we're going to have to go through, right? So how do we obey like Jesus? How do we obey? Well, like we're not going to die on the cross. So how do we obey like Jesus? Well, Luke chapter 14, verse 27 says this. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We don't have to die on a cross, but we have to carry our cross. We have to carry our cross every day. We don't have to die for the Father, but we have to live for the Son. That's what we've been told to do. We have to obey Christ. We have to do all that he commanded. We have to obey like Christ did. And that is, we have to submit to the will of God. We have to be willing to please the Father, just like Jesus was willing to please the Father. That's what it means to obey like Jesus. A lot of people in the world choose not to believe in who Jesus is. But for us, Jesus is the cornerstone of Christianity. That's who we put our faith in. We can't just disregard Jesus. We have to think of him every day. And we are to be led by him. We are to be led by his teachings. Oftentimes, our lives get so busy that Jesus is forgotten, right? We struggle with juggling work, families, chores, activities. There's a lot of things that can get in the way. And when those things get in the way, Jesus is put in the backseat. Jesus is forgotten. And we need to remember that we need to put Jesus first. We need to remember our Lord and Savior. We need to remember Jesus. We need to obey him. So this, is, this lesson isn't just about remembering to obey like Christ. It's also about how much God loved us, how much Jesus gave up for us. It's not just about that obedience. It's also about the love, how much God was willing to do for us. His obedience paved the way for salvation. What are we willing to give up for him? Have you ever asked yourself that? You think about it. Here's God comes down and dies for us. God, who created us, dies for us. What are we willing to give up for God? What are we willing to give up for Jesus? Will we serve ourselves until, until death, or we will, will we serve Jesus unto death? Will we make time for Jesus in our busy lives? Will we love the Lord enough to remember that he is to be Lord of our lives every day? Or are we going to put our selfish needs and wants first? Only your heart and your mind know the answer to those questions. Obey Christ and obey like Christ. If you are here today, obeying Christ begins with obeying the gospel, the good news. Have you heard the good news so that you begin your life with the one who loved you enough to die for you? If not, come forward. Make that decision right now. Let's stand. We sing our, our last song in the morning. <laughs>